Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Let's go there. With Shira and Ryan. Oh Entertainment. Music. Pop culture. LGBT plus news. Let's go there. Start now. Hello, hello. Happy Monday. And beginning of August. I know, right? What? It's August 2nd. It's it's. I guess technically the beginning. Yesterday was the beginning. Okay, sorry. Just to be more technical about it. <laughs> Yesterday you know, was... not the first, you're the last. Rent day. But maybe I, you're paying rent today, who knows? No, I pay rent two days, three days before it. That's, that's my thing. Okay. You know, I, I, ever since I started um, living by myself, I pay rent like maybe four days before rent's actually due. Show off. No, I just know that if it stays in my account, I'm going to probably end up spending it and then I'm going to be like, oh, now I'm $100 short. What am I going to do now? So if I get it out of my bank account, then guess what? It's not there. I've done what I'm supposed to do. You know it helps yourself. keep me accountable. I love it. You know? Strategies to make it work. Even though I have some friends, clearly you, who wait for the grace period of, you know, waiting all the way up. No, Even I actually you have a flexible, yesterday. I, I see, You have a flexible yesterday. thing. You You pay your roommate. I do. And I do pay it on time, though. We have our dates. And then yeah. sometimes, like, it's weird. Like, some days or months, like, it'll just fly by. And you're like, how is it the fifth already or the sixth? When you get when And they won't say that, anything. See, that's the, that's sometimes the he beauty does. of living Wait, with sometimes your Sometimes he'll be like, hey, reminder. Yeah, I never got that. <laughs> He's, like, sliding a note under your yeah, <laughs> <to> my door. <laughs> And be like, you're yeah. about to be evicted <laughs> if you don't pay me my money. Oh, really? Oh, really? <laughs> I don't think That's so. Funny. You know, you know what's worse? Living alone in loneliness. No, I'm kidding. Uh, who is that he wants, for? He wants money. Oh, you were going to tell him that? You're going to that's going to be your retort. Yeah. If he asks you and say I'm going to evict you. You're going to You're going to die lonely. <laughs> you're single and lonely. All right. Well, uh, coming up on the show, we're going to be talking about the importance of queer bookstores as safe spaces. Really interesting. That's at 3.25 p.m. Pacific. I love a bookstore. Yeah, 6.25 p.m. Eastern. And how to get intimate, not just with your lover, but with friends. Intimacy with friends. It's not what you think later in the show. But first, let's get into some what's trying this hour. It's all lies. <laughs> that's, that's how you create great intimacy. Just saying to your friends that they're liars. It's true. <laughs> it's actually really true. So, uh, you know, speaking of uh, rent and everything happening right now, it's so unfortunate to see uh, on Saturday the federal moratorium implemented during COVID ended. 
And the White House is now scrambling and pressuring states to speed payments of billions in rental assistance and calling on local governments to enact their own extensions. Hundreds of thousands of tenants are now at risk of losing their homes. And here's American Rescue Plan coordinator Gene Sperling. Given the rising urgency of the spread of the Delta variant, the president has asked all of us, including the CDC, to do everything in our power to look for every potential legal authority we can have to prevent uh, evictions. Given the rising... Now, less than 1% of fully vaccinated people experienced a breakthrough infection. That's according to a Kaiser Family Foundation analysis of official state data. According to the latest data from the CDC, though, I mean, it's pretty much the same. Less than 0.004% of people who have been fully vaccinated against COVID-19 experienced a breakthrough case resulting in hospitalization. And less than 0.001% have died from the disease. Let's look at that compared to those who are unvaccinated. More than 90% of cases and more than 90 95% of hospitalizations and deaths have been among unvaccinated people, according to this analysis. And in most states, more than 98% of cases were among the unvaccinated. Now moving into that, well, the Abbey Food and Bar in West Hollywood is now requiring patrons to provide proof of vaccination or a negative COVID test within the last 48 hours for entry. The famed LGBTQ plus establishment said that since the pandemic began, its staff has been repeatedly screamed at, spit on, slapped and punched by angry customers for enforcing safety protocols. They said, if you have a problem with our policy, please just go somewhere else, like to the nearest vaccination site. They wrote that on their Facebook page. The Abbey wrote in its post that the decision was made in order to protect its staff and customers. My thing is... Why is this now just starting to become a thing? If we've had these vaccine cards and now they're turning digital, that should have been the rules from the get-go. If, In my opinion, like, if you're vaccinated, just show that you're vaccinated. Instead of trying to rely on kind of human responsibility when you're seeing how humans are the, I don't know, the bars in hell, if we're quite honest. The bars in the bad place. All right, that was What's Trending This Hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Oh, let's change the song for this old Matt Damon oh, guy. Okay. Matt Damon learned recently that um, he had to stop saying the F word. Mm-hmm. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. Um, apparently, Matt Damon loved using the anti-gay F slur, not the F-U one. The one that, you know, some gay people just like to randomly say. Or it is a slur. It's an awful slur. You probably shouldn't yeah, say it. Yeah, it's not like it's the gay. F word. It's in within community. Yes. I want to say it right now, but I don't think I can. Um, But yeah, he basically loved saying it until his daughter asked him to stop. Apparently, he revealed this news on his own in a new interview with the Sunday Times saying this. Um, quote, the word that my daughter calls the F slur for a homosexual was commonly used when I was a kid with a different application. He said, I made a joke months ago and got uh, treatized or basically got a treatise or whatever it is, an essay from my daughter. She left the table and he continues to say, come on, that's a joke. I say it in the movie Stuck on You. She went to her room and wrote a very long, beautiful essay on how that word is dangerous. And um, he said, I said, well, he said, I retired the F slur I understood. So that news dropped yesterday of Matt Damon literally just a few months ago realizing that the that word is inappropriate just because his daughter said something, which is really weird because Matt Damon is old. And I would think he's a smart guy, but clearly he's not. 
Um, yeah, he's an, a mass mass hole. He's, a Boston he sounds old like an idiot. Dude. He's a dude. He's a, and the fact that he volunteered that information in the Sunday Times didn't even ask him. What was the reason? Maybe because he's processing it and realizing it. Unfortunately, he's an idiot. And he thought that by sharing it, it was part of the healing. I don't know. He's an idiot. Um, I got more stories where we're talking about more yes. idiots oh. coming up in the T Report. Okay. Next up, as more locations are asking you to prove your vaccination status, what you need to know to do it properly next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. As more locations require proof of vaccination, <laughs> vaccine vaccination, right? it's a mixture. How do you make sure you're covered and good to go? Well, tech columnist Jeffrey Fowler for The Washington Post joins us right now. Thanks for being here. You bet. So we were told, and I know this isn't po- political, you're a tech reporter, but we were told there wouldn't be vaccine passports. But isn't this what's basically happening if you need to show that you've been vaccinated? Who told you there wouldn't be vaccine passports? <laughs> I thought the, federally. The idea, well, they, yeah, yes. The idea became very politicized. You may remember the state of Florida banned them before they even existed. Um, but, uh, you know, over the last several months, work has continued on trying to make, uh, you know, make these, these important medical records available in digital formats. And some progress has been made. And, you know, now we find ourselves at a point where, um, a lot of businesses and locations and travel destinations are really taking, you know, a, a, another look at the idea of requiring people to have the vaccine. And when that happens, they want to know that that you you really had it. And you're telling the truth. Yeah. So break this down because I have my vaccine card in my Apple wallet on my iPhone. But for people listening, being like, "How did that happen? How do you even ha- get that? How do we get it on your smartphone?" Yeah, I'm actually curious how you got it on your uh, Apple. Oh, I can tell wallet. you. Oh, my God. So I got this link because I did mine through the Kaiser, my insurance. And okay. I got a link from the Los Angeles Health Department, this thing called Health Vanna, I think is what it's called. And um, it literally gave me a link. It sent it to me and it gave me a link. And I have my card that shows what I'm pulling it up. It says, powered by Health Vana, LA COVID-19, manufacturer Moderna. And I'm telling all my business. And it tells the dates when I'm vaccinated. It has a QR code and it says my name, Ryan Mitchell. And it was really simple. All I had to do was just like click the link, put my information in, and that was that. Wow, it's like a QVC ad. Yeah. Hey. Well, I mean, yeah, it was, that, it was that simple for me, but I'm tech savvy. So, well, you're also living the dream because most Americans um, live in places where either their state the state of California happens to have its act together when it comes to digital records about vaccines, or your provider, in your case, has their act together about making that accessible to folks. And the problem is, not ever, but most people don't live in those places, so it's just a big hot mess of different approaches to doing it, and different, you know, apps, different, and then also different, different ideas about what counts as proof. For example, uh, the city of New York just launched an app to help people keep their um, their proof on their phone. The way the app works is it has you take a photo of your card, and that's it. They I lost my check. card. You did. Yeah. I did, and they I'm so happy. I'm so happy because I I immediately thought yeah. about the people who lost their cards, and it's like, okay, well, does that mean now they're kind of screwed until they get yeah. this app or the situation? You know, a lot of people did uh, did lose their cards, and actually, a good reason. I mean, some people say to me, "Why do you want to even want this on your phone in the first place?" Um, it's because, like, you don't want to carry around this, like, really important piece of paper everywhere you go, right? Like, when you're going to the club or whatever, you might take it if you're, you know, taking a big trip to Europe or, 
or Hawaii or something, but uh, not not for daily use. So that's the advantage to having it on on the phone. Uh, you mentioned the Apple Wallet. So interestingly, Apple is actually going to change that up later this fall. So you know the health app on the iPhones. Mm-hmm. They're actually going to add the ability to add your vaccine proof to that rather than the wallet because it sort of more belongs in a place mm. like uh, like the health app that can be secured separately than it would in the wallet. So a lot of this is uh, is changing right now. It's developing fast. Um, so the, what I would tell folks is at the minimum, take that photo uh, of the front and the back of the card. You can take it alongside your ID if you want and keep that on your phone, like favorite that photo, or even you can take a minute to like put it in a special folder on your phone so you can you know, get to it really quickly. That's like a baseline thing that everybody ought to do, but you'd be surprised how many people forget. And then, you know, if you want to get a little more sophisticated with it, there are definitely reasons um, to want to do that. But I would say you're going to have to do a little bit of research, both about what's available in your state. Um, you know, California happens to be really good. New York has some stuff going on, but you'd be surprised. Actually, a couple states you wouldn't expect would have some stuff going on. Louisiana, they have figured this out. They've got a digital system. But, you know, Washington State does not, for example. So there's not so just you a, do a little bit of that research. There's not just a general app if you're an Android or uh, Apple to use, no matter what state you're in, or it's based on the state? I wish there was. Um, but the problem is that, you know, this has been a problem throughout COVID, like all of America's response to COVID. Healthcare in America is really decentralized. So there's not one set of rules. There's not one set of expectations. You know, some some places have great databases. Other places have terrible ones. So the closest thing that I found that exists to that is this is app called Clear. And you may know the Clear people from the airport. And you can pay extra to go to that special fancy line where they check your eyeball and make sure you are who you are. They made a free version of their website, uh, of their app, where you can um, you can upload it, and they're working hard to be as compatible with as many different systems as they can. Yeah. Um, so they they will take you know a photo of a card in some states, or they'll take digital uh, records in other states, or digital records from like uh, you know Walgreens and others. So, so um, Jeff, if you're looking for a good place to start, that'd be it. Yeah, we have about ten seconds left, and I I know this is kind of a loaded question, but what if people who don't have smartphones? It doesn't really seem accessible, <laughs> like for everyone. Yeah. There's so many people who don't. For sure. Like so my grandmother does it. Hold on to that paper. Make photocopies, yeah. right? Yeah. So you have you still have that piece of paper. I would have big concerns if places were saying, we'll only take the digital, but every place is still taking the card. In fact, some places still will only take the card. So there's always that backup. Perfect. All right. That was tech columnist Jeffrey Fowler for The Washington Post. Thanks so much. You bet. Next up, how Congress is hoping to make going to the airport less miserable. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. The bipartisan infrastructure plan could help making your next airport experience less miserable. We'll tell you how. Gabby Bierenbaum joins us right now. Politics and policy reporter at Vox. Thanks so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. So how does America's system, airport system, compare to other countries? How bad is it? Well, I think it's less of a question of with the U.S. efficiency, that that's a problem, too, with design is clearly lacking as compared to other airports. So in my story, I note there are airports internationally that have butterfly gardens that have museum annexes that have rooftop restaurants. Uh, and I'm sure anybody who travels knows that's not exactly the case when you go to an American airport, um, as well as, you know, there's some efficiency issues with there being not enough gates, things like that. Um, and so if you've traveled internationally, you probably know their airports tend to be a lot better. 
Okay, so this is more of a focus on kind of international travel. And it's interesting because you, you said that the bipartisan infrastructure plan that Joe Biden is trying to get passed would actually help the issue. How so? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so basically what's happening in the U.S., why our airport infrastructure is struggling is because we have a situation where there's more passengers than we have capacity. Every year we see more and more people, except for the pandemic year, of course, we see more and more people traveling, and yet we're not adding more gates. We're not updating our air traffic control, things like that. That would help meet that efficiency. So basically, um, you have you know all these airports that are strained for space. And so what the infrastructure plan would do is provide funding for some terminal renovations, for capital projects that they have been on the back burner that uh, airports have not had funding for, in order to potentially add more gates, make air traffic control more efficient, just better utilize their space so that there's less lines and less backup in the gates in the terminal area. Now, why has it taken it so long to get there? I mean, was it just not built with any of this in mind? Yeah. So basically, most airports were built or sort of constructed in the years after World War II. And these lots were chosen with you know considerations of that era in mind that don't make sense anymore. So basically, around these lots, um, there's been a lot of development. For example, I'm in Chicago right now. We fly, I fly out of O'Hare mostly. But the area around O'Hare has become developed. There's not much more space to move and grow. You see that a lot, especially in DCA and DC at National Airport. There's no space to acquire more land. So they're kind of boxed into the footprints they have now. Um, and it's hard because airports are locally owned and operated. So they receive federal money every year, but they have to generate their own revenue basically to keep the lights on. And so it's hard to do capital projects considering those financial constraints. Yeah, so is there more of a priority to make sure the travel is like less complicated, especially in the middle of a pandemic, because the closer everyone is on top of each other, it, you know, gives more of a super spreader opportunity. I, I wonder, is mm-hmm. that kind of being thought about in this process? Yeah, well, it just creates another problem in terms of using the existing space, because now, you know, you have to have health screenings, you have to be able to space people out effectively in a space that's already sort of crunched, and that's already sort of overused. And so hopefully with this additional funding, airports will be able to better open up their space. For example, LaGuardia Airport just did a huge renovation in which they could sort of reconfigure on their existing lot, an entire terminal they redid. So now there's way more space inside um, in order to effectively and efficiently move people throughout the terminal, hopefully in a safe way. Do you feel like with everything happening in our country right now, this is a huge priority? Or is it not about looking Um, at like that? Yeah, I don't think it's either or, right? I think with an infrastructure bill, the idea is you're targeting so many different areas of the U.S. infrastructure that, you know, is falling behind compared to other countries. And that's not servicing people as effectively as possible. So, you know, this provides funding for broadband internet, for clean energy, for bridges, for rail. And so I think it's, it doesn't have to, this is not coming at the expense of other things. You know, the federal government can spend as much or as little money as it wants. And right now they're going all in on a bunch of infrastructure things. Air is just one piece of that. Well, is it like making places bigger? Like, and adding on, like, taking up more mm-hmm. space than that is actually... Or more f- efficient. Yeah, that's why yeah, I'm confused. Is it, like, is, it, is it taking up more space? Like, if they're adding on more uh, parts to the airports or airlines or whatever, um, is it just taking up more space that isn't needed? Or it is needed, I guess. It depends. It's sort of each individual airport can sort of make that discernment about when they receive this federal money. They have to get it, their plans federally approved, but what they're going to do with it. So if certain lots, you know, if certain airport campuses have space to expand, they could do that if they think they need more runways, more gates, whatever it is. If they have to reconfigure their existing space, that might be it. But that sort of happens at the level of each individual airport and local airport authority. Okay, well, that was Gabby Berenbaum from Vox. Thanks so much.
Thank you, guys. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Next up, why Obama is getting dragged online for his birthday party. (sighs) That's next. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Obama is getting criticized all over social media because it was announced that he is planning a 475-person birthday bash amidst covid and the variants and all the increases in cases and hospitalizations she was supposed to have a party it included special guests as you can imagine it's obama so it's going to be like star-studded pearl jam director steven spielberg oprah winfrey george clooney he's even having a covid coordinator on hand and he is requiring all guests to be vaccinated and tested prior to getting to the party But at this point, should he be canceling it? Is it tone deaf? Like, I feel like we call out conservatives for doing these super spreader events, but Obama doing one, is that hypocritical? Uh, I mean, here's the thing. I think people are trying to have some sense of normalcy in a way, and I think it's different when you're talking about Republicans versus kind of like Democrats because there were times where Republicans were kind of like saying that it didn't exist or they were downplaying taking vaccines and all these certain things, right? We're in a place now where small get-togethers, even though not really that Five, small here. 500, 200 staff. That's really intense, I mean, we're right? getting, yeah, that's, it, you it can feels have like, like a you, 20 he, person. It's a little tone deaf for him to be doing this. Um, but I'm not shocked that he's doing this, if I'm being quite honest. Um, but I, I don't know. I Let me be honest. If he was to have sent me an invite, I would have been in there with my mask. <laughs> totally. Are you kidding me? And then I would have gotten a COVID test the next day being like, of that's course. what it is. So, of course, he's taking precautions. We know a lot of people there, I mean, a vaccinated, negative test. And maybe he'll end up canceling it. This is the thing. 
I do think things are happening so quickly right now that this is probably organized like months in advance, right? Yeah. When things like when we were all good, because we felt all good. If this was like, yeah, if this that's a really good point. If th- if this was, you know, maybe a, three weeks ago. I don't think we would even exactly. have Exactly. I think things are changing very quickly, and I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, as of two weeks, they're like, let's see where things go. And now, literally every week, there's a change happening. So I do think it's one of those things. Like, my my hope is that he makes it smaller. Yeah, I agree. But that's hard. How do you then, who do you cut? I mean, that's <laughs> Out of the all thing. the celebrity friends. But I also think people end up maybe not going because they feel like, okay, maybe it's like I, I don't want to be called out by the press. Like maybe he does a virtual thing and then a small gathering of the friends. But I, I will have Push to it. agree to circle back around to this. If we're going to be examples exactly. or if he's going to be an example, then he should not be having such a large get together like this, even if it is outside and it's like, you know, in a in a place because let's be real, these folks ain't gonna wear masks. They're not going to hopefully most of them are vaccinated, but you just never know. And especially now that Hollywood in spe- certain studios like Netflix, I think is was is one of the first studios to say as we continue on with shooting our actors have to prove that they're vaccinated. That's going to really show a lot of uh, these celebrities and actors who are anti-vax and who are not a part of it. And so I'm thinking about that. And the reason why I say that is because these are going to be the same people who are probably going to show up to this Obama thing. Well, no, they said they need to be vaccinated. But I know, but that's the thing. Yes, they need to be vaccinated. But when you get into these spaces, the rules bend very, very, you know, in every which way. Or now, do you really think they're going to follow that rule? If I Beyonce think so. didn't come in, and she's not completely vaccinated. <laughs> I'm just saying. I don't know. Let's Maybe be Beyonce honest. won't go then. But let us know what you think. Is this hypocritical? Should he just cancel the party at LGT shows where you can find us on social media? But coming up, more on the next country to ban conversion therapy. That's next on what's trending this hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. Coming up, as bars for the communities, uh, the community, LGBTQ community, are disappearing, LGBTQ bookstores are having a a resurrection. So we're going to be talking more about these bookstores that are safe spaces in 15 minutes. Plus, a sad announcement from comedian Kathy Griffin. That's in the Tear Report in a moment. But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. Florida A&M University President Larry Robinson made a surprise announcement for graduates during their commencement ceremony over the weekend. Now, some of you, and I know this as a fact, may have thought that some of the balances that cleared up was a mistake, right? I know you thought it because your parents called and said, fam, you, there was some money on the account a week ago and now it's gone. That was not a mistake. In fact, you should know that for the last year and a half, this institution has provided more than $16 million in student support and debt relief as part of the Federal CARES Act initiative. Yep, they used more than $16 million of funding from the Federal CARES Act, which was passed in March 2020 to cover fees, tuition, unpaid student account balances, etc. So that's happening. And is a trend we're seeing, which is a good trend. But we were saying before we played that how we feel bad for everyone else. I mean, producer Vanessa 
You know, and well, Ryan, you don't have any more. You paid off everything, right? Girl, who told you that? I that was, you that's said. how rumors get started. I've never told you I paid off. So money. everyone pretty much here has. Well, I don't. I'll yeah, be honest. Like, well, but you, like you all, do do you get annoyed? Our business. I have a question. And then you're like you not even you don't even got nothing. Do, to do you with have? This. Do you are do you get annoyed to see that other students now are getting their debt paid for? No. Yeah. I'm waiting for my phone call from my school saying, congratulations, you don't have to pay your student loans back because everyone's doing it. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't, to be honest, I don't care. I don't. I don't. I mean, it's one of those things where just because, you know, I, I think you look at it how you look at everything else. Like, just because someone else is succeeding doesn't mean that because I'm not doesn't mean that I can, like, you know ran on their parade yeah but i think it's i think it's great i don't to be honest i don't want anyone to have to go through the 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 trials and and trauma and and the trauma of having to have student loans drama so i'm I'm in trauma these folks get to have like a fresh start go for it because they're going to be a part of the next generation of folks who are going to hopefully run this country and maybe change some things yep that's true the work that was done from this generation is helping the next generation that's how it goes uh, but some good news coming from New Zealand. They introduced a legislation on Friday that would ban conversion therapy. The legislation would ban any therapy practices that seek to change the sexual orientation, gender identity, or gender expression of anyone under 18 or anyone with impaired decision-making capacity. Violators of these provisions will face up to three years in prison. So New Zealand doing good stuff there. That was some What's Trending This Hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Yeah, so Kathy Griffin, oh wow, she revealed some shocking news this morning. It's time for the Tea Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. Um, So yeah, the two-time Emmy-winning star of My Life on the D-List revealed that she's battling early-stage lung cancer and Mm. she will soon undergo surgery. Uh, She said this in a statement. I've got something to tell you guys. I have cancer. I'm about to go into surgery to have half of my left lung removed. Yes, I have lung cancer, even though I've never smoked. Uh, The doctors are very optimistic as it is stage one and contained to my left lung. She continued saying that she hopes to avoid additional treatments like chemotherapy or radiation. Uh, She went on to say, I should have normal function with my breathing. I should be up and running around as usual in a month or less. She also said that she was grateful that she was vaccinated because it could have been way worse if she was unvaccinated. Um, That's insane to get lung cancer and you've never smoked. I don't know. Maybe that's, I've just never, I've never heard of that any other cause, cause of lung cancer if it wasn't smoking. You can get it, I guess, uh, if you're you live somewhere where it's bad air quality, or you've worked in conditions with bad oh, air. So we're, or we're in Los Angeles, so we're all screwed. Yeah, I knew someone <laughs> who also was like very. This is years ago. Someone was very healthy and who I believe was a runner and found out he had lung cancer. Really? Wow. You just never know. So just treat your body well and just be aware. And be grateful for being healthy while you are healthy. Yeah, just never know. That's, that's scary and sad. Well, she ended her message by assuring fans she intends to be cracking jokes again in no time. And so good. send all the good vibes to Kathy Griffin and because uh, that's some shocking news. Mm-hmm. And that's your team report. I got more next hour. Well, next up, the LGBT2Q bookstore is creating a safe space for the community. More on that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
It's really unfortunate because there's been so many LGBTQ bars that have closed during the pandemic, but there are other safe spaces popping up to connect with others in the community, and that's bookstores. How about that? Well, joining us right now is Audrey Kohler, who's a senior bookseller apprentice at Book Woman in Austin, Texas. Welcome to the show. Hi, it's so awesome to be talking about Queer Lit on James Baldwin's birthday that occurred to me the second you guys wrote to me. Oh, yay. Tell us more. Yeah, we, we love that. Thank you for making that connection. So tell us about Book Woman and are we seeing more of this uh, trend happening? Yeah, absolutely. We have found a larger community than we've had nearly since opening in the past two years. It's um, kind of interesting to see how people are searching for queer spaces and not just queer bars anymore. They're wanting to read um, and talk to people who are like want to engage with them on a more like literary standpoint. They don't want to just have fun and party, which is great, but they want to they want to read stories by and for people like them. Yeah, I, I think this is so interesting because um, I remember being a kid and um, who grew up in the South, very scared of fully accepting my identity and being my true form and just reading and getting lost in the fantasy genre of books and and checking out books um, and hiding in my closet, reading them or, you know, volunteering at the library and getting that in. It just, it feels like there's always this connection when it comes to, um, to the worlds that queer folks can kind of escape to when it comes to books. And is that something that even in your own personal experience kind of attracted you to the literary space? Yes, absolutely. So I always think that books are the most progressive. They're always ahead of TV and movies by like a couple of years. Mm. And so we have books that just came out like Detransition Baby. And that's a huge story by and for trans women. And it's it very frankly and lovingly discusses the experience of being a trans woman in the United States. And it's now going to be a TV show. And I don't think that it would have become a TV show first. I think books are the forefront when discussing um, LGBTQ issues a lot of the time. Yeah, you, you make such a good point. That is so true because like, it takes years to develop those projects and they do come typically from uh, books or now we're seeing tweets or blogs. So the written right. form becomes a foundation for that. Absolutely. And tell us about meeting people in person also, how this becomes a ripe space for meeting others in the community. Um, so a lot of the people who come in that I speak to, um, I get pulled a lot of times for baby queer people. So it's their first time in the store and they're just kind of lost and they just want somebody around their age because I'm only 24. So I, I'm the more approachable one <laughs> when it comes to a lot of those things. And they come and they say, I don't know what label I want or I want something with this specific identity. This is going to be the first book I'm reading. So I kind of have a list for every letter in the community. Um, what are some good beginner books and how to get people where they need to go? Which is absolutely beautiful. When you're saying, okay, so obviously when I want to make it clear, obviously as a queer bookstore, the literary yeah. uh, elements of it, are is it all queer? Is it nothing but queer books? Or is it kind of a, a, a plethora of things? So Bookwoman is uh, a feminist bookstore, but feminist bookstores were primarily founded by lesbians during the original feminist bookstore movement in the 1970s, 80s, 90s. And at one point, there were over 100 feminist bookstores in the United States. Now we're down to a handful. And we are uh, 
proudly owned and founded by a um, loud lesbian woman named Susan Post. And um, so everything in the store is queer or marginalized voices, but primarily by women. Love that. And how important is this knowing that there are fewer and fewer safe spaces for the community? Um, I, every day I come to work, I'm very surprised and excited that I get to come to a place like this. It's so comforting. I've worked in corporate jobs before and it's just different having a place where I know that I can use my pronouns, they, them in the workspace and then be honored and to be able to go up to my boss and, you know, joke around about some gay stuff that I wouldn't be able to do if I was working at um, a retail bookstore, like a, a bigger retail bookstore. And so what is some, I guess, encouragement as we, we continue to see um, bookstores like this kind of across the country? How, one, how do you, I guess, specifically find a queer bookstore, like a, a bookstore like yours? In that, like, do you type it in Google being like, hey. Yelp. Or Yelp? You yeah. actually could. Yeah. You could. Um, I That's how I found Bookwoman. I was looking for a woman-owned bookstore specifically, but our bookstore on Google shows up as LGBTQ friendly and it shows up on um, Google as woman owned. So if you're seeking those types of things, you can Google it. There's also a website called IndieBound.org and it will show you all the independently owned bookstores in your area. And then you can research them further and see how they're owned and go on their website and order things from them. Our website is kind of older, but it has a big mission statement um, on what we try to do with our store, which is uplift marginalized voices through literature. Amazing. Yes, the website is ebookwoman.com. That was Audrey Kohler, Senior Bookseller Apprentice at Bookwoman in Austin, Texas. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Next up, how to build intimacy in friendships, not just with your lovers. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. When we talk about intimacy, we typically talk about it as it relates to our partners or lovers, but it's also connected to our friendships. Here to share more is Estefa Francisque, a therapist in Oakland, California. Thanks for being here. Yes, thank you so much for having me. So why is intimacy not connected typically to our platonic relationships? You know, I think over time, just kind of in history, we've started to really uh, kind of put romantic relationships on this pedestal. And we really just kind of push this idea that there's only one person in the world who can meet all of our needs and that one person can meet every single one. So I think just kind of the rise of romanticism is really what's promoted and pushed that. Well, that's really interesting because I always think there's a boundary of friendships and relationships and that certain if you're kind of getting into a relationship or romantic relationship with someone, they're getting other mm-hmm. things that friendships or friends aren't getting. And do, do you think, do you think there is kind of like now there's no more boundary of that? Like, are we starting to reexamine what intimacy looks like in friendships? I think we're definitely starting to reexamine it. Right. Like, I don't know if I'd go so far as to say there's no boundary at all whatsoever. But I think maybe we're realizing that we have maybe been a bit black and white about it, and we could probably stand to be more flexible. Oh, okay. So what does intimacy look like, though? Like, when you talk about it in terms of friendships, a lot of people might not even get what that means because they look at intimacy as something that is physical or connected that they associate with a partner or lover. Yeah, you know, when when I think of intimacy in the context of a friendship, um, the words that kind of come up to me are like safety, 
vulnerability, you know, those things that are beneath just like the surface level small talk. So intimacy and a friendship may be where you have like a mutual understanding, a mutual respect. You feel like you could share something that's going on that's not um, just kind of like, you know, that surface level toxic positivity. You could actually share what's really going on and you have a reasonable expectation that you'll be heard, you'll be understood, even if your friend doesn't do anything about it, but you feel like they're a safe place to come to, to talk to. So let's talk about, like, get, being introduced to, like, new tribes or people and, like, you're mm-hmm. trying to find new friends. Because I do think, as an adult, it can be harder to find friends and find that type of relationship than it would be if Absolutely. you're kind of growing up, right? And I yeah. think what's really interesting is something that I'm personally experiencing is there's moments where I'm like in these like new friend groups and I'm like, oh, I'm thinking I'm making friends. But then I start kind of like right. getting um, I start to get worried that I'm either forcing myself on people or I'm they're not as much as my friend as possible. And then I kind of start building these barriers of like protection. So I'm not like getting like mm-hmm. the rejection aspect of it, which I think is really right. interesting because I think I've always kind of a- allowed rejection to only re- exist in romantic relationships, but I'm starting to see it pop in, in even for, you know, platonic relationships. So talk a little bit about yeah. that and how that really does kind of play a part in um, our lives, especially. And I don't know, give me some advice. You're, I'm, I'm, you're free right now. So. <laughs> Sounds good. I'm happy to help with that. Absolutely. Because, you know, when we're making friends, it's we're kind of tiptoeing, right? We're taking a step forward. We're maybe sharing a thing and then seeing, okay, how's this other person going to respond? Are they going to be validating? Are they going to be accepting? Are they going to be receptive? Or are they going to kind of say something or respond in a way that's going to hurt my feelings, right? Because when I take that step, I'm kind of opening up my heart a little bit. Maybe it's not as much as with somebody I'm dating or somebody like I'm really like, you know, having a super huge crush over, but I'm still opening myself up a little bit. And so um, kind of my advice is there is um, one, one rule of thumb that's really helpful is try to share about at the same level that they share with you, right? Mm-hmm. So if you find that uh, the other person, the friend, the coworker, the person around you, whoever, the, the yoga classmate, I don't know. Um, if you find that, you know, you, you share things with them, but they're not really sharing with you back at that same level, um, you don't have intimacy. You don't have mm. that, those interactions that's below that surface level. And if you've kind of tested it out and they're not really responsive, then you kind of want to be accepting and just be like, okay, all right, they don't seem that interested or they don't seem that interested at this time. But just because that person isn't in- interested doesn't mean that no one will ever be interested and it's, it's just kind of like on to the next. That's so I think true. a little bit of acceptance will allow, like, the water to roll off your back a little bit. That is great mm. concrete advice. Good uh, advice. So we want to actually get into more tips on if folks are, who are listening want to build more intimacy in their relationships, <laughs> their friendships, what to do. So let's get into that next. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other 
other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We are back talking about intimacy and friendships with Estefa Francisque, a therapist in Oakland, California. Now, you just gave Ryan some great advice, but what other tips do you have in terms of how to build intimacy with friends? Absolutely. Um, it's, a, it's an excellent question. I think the first thing is, you really want to show a genuine interest and a curiosity in your friend, right? You want to be curious about them, who they are, what they're passionate about, what matters to them, what they've been through, things like that. Um, especially when they are, they are sharing these things with you unprompted, right? So when they're sharing things with you, you want to validate that. You want to focus on their emotions and how they're feeling and not rush into problem solving. So those kinds of things set an atmosphere of safety so that they feel that um, they can share things with you. They can kind of open up a little bit, have that vulnerability, which is like the fuel of intimacy, right? It's the oxygen for intimacy. Um, I think beyond that, like I said earlier, you want to share on about the same level that they share with you. So you want to have that, that, uh, that equity there, right? Because when there's an imbalance, it, it causes somebody to feel overexposed, which once again, promotes the opposite of safety. Mm, um, yeah. I'm trying to think, you know, beyond that, right, that validation, that focusing on emotions when somebody shares with you, um, when you kind of ace that and nail that, 
you're really creating that safety, which is what's going to make that intimacy happen. Well, let's flip it because obviously friendship breakups are also a real thing. And what if that, you know, tarnishes your ability to connect with other people in the future? How do you kind of get out of that? Yeah, that's a that's a great point. I think things like self-reflection are it's super crucial, right? You want to look at the situation and, and, and learn about like, okay, what are the dynamics that took place? What are maybe the healthy aspects of that friendship? What were the unhealthy aspects of that friendship? What were the things that were going on with my ex-friend that influenced this? What are the things that were going on with me that influenced this? Um, so do that self-reflection. Of course, if that, you know, still isn't enough, Therapy is a thing, right? I am a therapist, so I'm biased, but it would help in situations like that. So I think, uh, because it can be traumatic, right, those friendship breakups. And when you process that trauma, when you're able to take the lessons from it, and maybe even make meaning from it, that's going to naturally help you feel safe again to open up. Oh my God, is intimacy defined differently when you have, like, friends with benefits? Because that's like both. That's like a romantic (laughs) thing too, right? Right. Yeah. I'm asking it, it, all the questions. Uh, this is, yeah, this is not, not for Ryan or anything. No, is this it? is really interesting. I just wonder how that plays a part into it as well. Because if you're friends with benefits with someone, there's obviously intimacy there. But it can get or it's being true. Or that it's being true. taken away in a way because there's only a, you're not getting clo- that close, right? So that's where mm-hmm. it yeah. can get interesting. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I, I think that's the way I see it, right? Ironically, the friends with benefits thing actually takes away some intimacy because you're trying to keep a romantic aspect out of it. And even though we talked about just now how you can have intimacy on a platonic level, once there's a sexual component, it just kind of chemically just makes it really difficult. Um, So I think you tend to naturally find yourselves um, creating some emotional distance in order to preserve that friends with benefits to prevent anyone from catching feelings. Oh, yeah. And what if you practice this and you're finding that people aren't returning it, reciprocating it? What do you do? Hmm, that's a great question. Um, it's, it's almost hard to answer in like a blanket yeah, of course. way, like in general for everybody, but I'm trying to think of like what comes to mind, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it may be important to look at past relationship patterns um, and kind of think, um, are there any ways that I'm creating an imbalance in how open I'm being? Mm-hmm. Am I coming into a situation where I'm showing that I am way super open for friendship and the other person's like, hey, I just met you, right? Um, because whenever we show that imbalance, that can actually scare people and kind of put them off. And even though we mean well, it can actually get us the opposite of what we actually want and are actually trying to get. Um, but beyond that, it, it does start to feel like a person-by-person, situation-by-situation thing. So it's another thing where I'll say, like, hey, talk to a therapist, talk to some close trusted friends who kind of have their heads on right. Yeah. Um, and I think that'll, that'll also bring some answers. Look at you. You give great concrete advice, actually. <laughs> yeah, really good. Estefa Francis. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, check him out. A therapist in Oakland, California, if you want some one-on-one advice, go to a therapist. Thanks again. Absolutely. <laughs> thank you for having me. Next up, Simone Biles' latest big announcement and how it will impact this year's Olympics. That's next on What's Trending This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Yeah, we're back and coming up this hour, besides great music, we're talking about uh, the debate around music festivals. It's continuing. Should they continue or should these festivals be shut down right now? That's in 40 minutes. Plus, we've got an announcement around Simone Biles and this year's Olympics. That's in the T-Report in a moment. 
But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. Transgender athlete Laurel Hubbard is set to make history at this summer's Olympic Games as the first openly transgender athlete to compete in a solo event. The 43-year-old weightlifter was chosen by New Zealand's Olympic team on June 21st for the women's 87-kilogram uh, category. And now under the International Olympic Committee's current rules that state transgender women can compete in accordance with their gender identity if they meet several criteria, she is eligible that is just in she is one of three transgender athletes making history in these games uh joining uh quinn who will compete for canada's soccer team and chelsea wolf and american bmx reserve rider joining team usa as a reserve so congrats to laurel hubbard again who's been making a lot of news with her participation now senator lindsey graham this is big news he said today that he has tested positive for covid19 Despite being vaccinated. Are we shocked? No, this is this is a big deal, though, as a Republican and the people he, he talks to, his audience. His message is important right now. It matters because he did emphasize that, that the mildness of his symptoms is um, is because being he's been vaccinated. If he had been unvaccinated, his symptoms would be far worse, he said. Hopefully people who are anti-vax, who are a follower of his, will listen and maybe change course and do something about it. Or hopefully they won't. <laughs> and it appears that Graham may have exposed a number of other senators to the virus. Of course, yeah. After he attended a weekend get-together hosted by Senator Joe uh, Manchin on their houseboat. I'm no longer concerned with other people's safety. If you are an anti-vaxxer, or if you were one at one point in time, or if you are a fan of Lindsey Graham... I don't care. Do what you do, sis. That should be a t-shirt. Do what you do. <laughs> do what sis. You do, sis. Uh, I mean, we're going to hear more about this as more people, unfortunately, get the variant. And hopefully the message is, once again, you get vaccinated because the symptoms will be less than if you didn't. And you wear masks so you prevent others from also getting it and from sharing it. So it's not that difficult. This isn't that complicated. It's science. Now, New York City has seen a rapid rise in cases as well. More than 1,200 cases per day, roughly six times the number in June. And today, Mayor Bill de Blasio decided against an overall mask mandate, choosing instead to strongly encourage all New Yorkers, even those who have been vaccinated, to wear masks indoors. He also said that he wanted to focus on increasing vaccination rates and worried that requiring everyone to wear masks would remove that incentive for those who are considering getting vaccinated now. And that was some What's Trending This Hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? All right, let's talk Simone Biles. Oh, my God, I had to clear my throat. You're welcome. Um, it's time for the T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. Um, well, good news. The four-time gold medalist has one last chance for an individual medal at the Tokyo Olympics after her whole myth, uh, mental health concerns. Um, she's going to be competing in the balance beam final. She made the announcement if you aren't familiar with this entire thing, she dropped out of the team competition all around final and the other three individual events amid a lot 
lot of her mental health concerns and uh, this thing called the twisties, which is really interesting because um, she did a thread because, you know, when you're at that level, people were saying that she dropped out because she was afraid to lose. No, there's this actual thing called the twisties that gymnasts go through where when they are up in the air mm-hmm. spinning, they lose recollection of their their mind is not connected with their body. So it really could have a, a really uh, awful physical damage oh, to dangerous. her body. If she lands wrong, she can land on her head, she can land wrong on her on her legs, she can land wrong on any body part that could really destroy her career. And so um, I've, I've been kind of keeping up with it. And, and yeah, the U.S. gymnastics team announced that she is going to be competing. She must be getting better. She must be feeling better. And I'm excited for that because I think the world is going to be tuned in. Definitely. And we actually talked about the twisties when you were out with Dr. James Simmons. Oh, good. Yes, good, we good, got good. into it. It's a Did great Did I explain segment. it right? Basically, yes. Yeah, you did. Don't say basically. I most definitely explained it right. (laughs) So check that out. I have reading comprehension skills. She tried to downplay me explaining what the twisties was as someone who does not pay attention to sports. Well, it seems like we're paying attention more than ever before from this. I'm paying attention to wrestlers. Oh. Because onesies. I'm paying attention to Simone Biles because of pop culture. I'm paying attention to some of the train, the the track, the, the, what's the track people because those things fit them really well. I'm just, you know. Performance and fashion. No, I'm, I'm looking, I'm, I'm looking inappropriately. I know. Fashion. Okay. <laughs> well, to do with fashion. again, check that out. Uh, if you want to hear more about what the twisties are and all that from doctors and mental health professionals, we did a whole podcast on it. At uh, on the Odyssey app, just search "Let's Go" there. That's where you can find our podcast, and you should be subscribed to it anyway. But next up on the show, how to help kids have more confidence as adults. This is according to experts. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Research reveals that kids allowed to roam on their own further from home have more confidence as adults. Here to share more is Dr. Vanessa Vietas, who's a triple AS mass media fellow at the conversation and an incoming postdoc in Rutgers psychology department, basically killing it at life. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So this is really interesting. Why is distance from home key here and how has it changed over the years? Yeah, so we've um, seen that um, parents actually allow their kids to roam less um, of um, they don't allow them to roam as far as they used to. So parents have become increasingly concerned with their children's um, safety. Um, so they don't, um, the kids aren't really playing outside as much anymore. And now with COVID, it's even with the restrictions are even, um, you know, even more extreme. But um, even without, even before COVID, parents have in the last 40 years, like there's really been a decrease in where children are allowed to go, how far they're allowed to go on their own. And it's largely because of this concern over safety, even regardless of whether that's actually the case or not. Um, kids are, uh, the world isn't actually less safe now than it was 40 years ago, but parents have this perception of that because a lot of it has to do with the news and just being more aware of the dangers because of social media and all of that. Yeah, so I guess 
when you were talking about because I've I've always I mean I grew up with a helicopter parent, <laughs> so yeah, me too. Me I, I didn't really have the opportunity to like um, kind of explore until I was out of the house. So mm-hmm. I do think it's really interesting. Do you think? Even though people, some people, like kids, would have grown up with helicopter parents, do you think that they could mm-hmm. still form some tor- some sort of independence because they do kind of want to find themselves independently of yeah. under their their parents' control? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, difficult to say. I think that um, yeah, some kids will um, want to become more independent because they were more restricted, but. Some, depending on how your parents talk to you about the dangers of the world and and being out on your own. So if your parents kind of scared you into not wanting to go out because, oh, it's too dangerous, it's too too dangerous, you might actually end up restricting yourself. And that is what ends up happening to a lot of people where they just stay fear about all these bad things that can happen if they go out on their own from the time they're really young, that they actually end up restricting themselves. So it it sort of, um, yeah, becomes this kind of like self-fulfilling prophecy where you, you you don't go out because you're afraid and then that just it just makes you worse at navigating and you, know, you don't end up uh, it doesn't end up helping you yeah, in the it, long run it propagates all of it and you talk about wayfinding and it's an essential part of mm-hmm. intelligence as well as a survival skill what do you mean by that what's wayfinding yeah so by wayfinding we're uh, we refer to uh, spatial navigation as wayfinding. So sometimes they're used in- interchangeably in the, uh, the academic literature. Um, so um, anything with uh, having to find your way around unfamiliar places, um, having to um, kind of uh, pay attention to the features in your environment and pay attention to where you're where you are located uh, in relation to the features and the objects in your environment and where to go next. And where to, how to find your way to goal locations, um, just places, home, work, anywhere. What's this? What's the age limit for this? Because I, when you're saying you should let kids explore, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. What do you really mean? And what's the age limit for something like that to kind of let go of the reins? Yeah, uh, well, it, uh, culturally, so we've seen that in some cultures, um, kids are allowed to explore even from the ages of three. Um, whereas as in more Western cultures, um, they're actually restricted more. So kids, what may be, uh, you know, later elementary school might be allowed to um, go out more and, and, and kind of walk home from school, walk to and from school, but not um, kids as young as, you know, in preschool or, or the very early elementary school years. Um, so there's not really, it, you know, it just it's just changed over time. So... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kids, maybe depending on where, if, if the parents feel like uh, the environment is safe, if that the neighborhood is safe, they might let them explore at younger ages. But in a lot of cases, um, that's not the case. And, and parents feel like the world is just too dangerous. And so, like, their kids are not really going out on their own until maybe they're in, you know, teenage years, maybe middle school, but the early teen years. So I, I don't know if you have tips for parents mm-hmm. or how do we make sure that we can give children this confidence um, so that they can move into adulthood in a better way. Yeah. Yeah. I don't um, actually have children of my own, so I can't. This, this is actually really difficult because um, it, it, what's interesting is that um, the research shows that the world isn't actually, um, the, it, it, there's not actually more danger to kids today than there was 40 or 50 years ago when kids were roaming by themselves. It's just that there's, um, an awareness 
more more of this awareness of the dangers of the environment. But it's very difficult to say because it, it's hard to tell a parent, you know, oh, you should let your kid walk to school, you know, if they're, if they're really afraid and they don't, you know, they don't want to risk it. So that's perfectly understandable. But it's also then important to recognize that. And, and of course, everybody, everybody's neighborhood, you know, where you live, it's going to yeah. differ. But it's important to recognize that, you know, that you're not, you know, you, your perception of safety, you know, it doesn't necessarily mirror reality and it doesn't necessarily mean that the, your child is in more danger just because, you know, you might feel like that that's the case. Interesting. Well, that was Dr. Vanessa Vietas, uh, double, uh, triple A, sorry, S Mass Media Fellow. Check out her piece in theconversation.com. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And next up, what to do if one person's annoying behavior is destroying your friend group? But we're here to help. That's next. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... You deserve this ice-cold reward. Modelo, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. So have you ever been in this situation where you have one person in your friend group who has just annoying behavior and it's destroying the group dynamic? So what do you do? Have you been that person? I've never, no, I have not. They wouldn't the tell you. person? Yeah, they wouldn't tell you though. Oh, okay. So I guess I haven't been that person or... You I just don't, don't know. I think, what if we all been that person? We just don't know. I mean, I think that in my groups there's been infighting, like where there's been something that's come up with one person, like there could be something comes up between me and another person, and then the other people, and I mention girls because in my girl groups, it only happens in girl groups, by the way, for me. My, My experience has been in my girl groups. In other groups of friends that I've had, are you? Did you just go down a road where you you said you hate having relationships with women? <laughs> of course, women relationships are never my, successful. My, That's what Shira Lazar is saying. I would say that I would say that my my experience has been that as I get older, I try to work on my female friendships, and I actually have more female friendships that I've had. But I've noticed that some of the kind of things happen with my female friend groups that you like you don't. They don't nip it in the bud. Like, I'll want to talk it through and just right right away bring it up. And it, like, the the issues continue for longer for some reason. Or no one wants to talk about it. Well, is it that you just want to nip it in the bud? Or are you not giving people time to actually work through their issues? I I, I mean... I'm trying to even. Can't, I can't even get can't, one of my friends on the just phone. Because I text. It, I think it needs to be known. Just because you a friend apologizes or you apologize doesn't mean that someone has to automatically forgive you or oh, move yeah. forward. 
Not talking about that. No, I'm no, I'm but. just, I'm just, no, I'm just saying in general. I think there's this idea that just because you talk it out with people, oh yeah, that that means oh, we're it's a clean slate. I'm talking Sometimes about it takes people that folks. don't even talk it out. You just mm. hear them talking, gossiping about you behind your back. Oh, well, that means they just don't want to be your friend. So like that, that's what happens with I noticed my girlfriend groups. People are gossiping, and then you bring want to bring it up to talk about it with them. And then they don't even want to talk. They act like it's all good. But they, oh, you've heard. But anyway, mm, that interesting, said, interesting. would you come together as a friend group and unionize against someone if it's not working? Because this is something that has been brought up in an article in Vice, and it got us thinking, is this the best way to handle situations like this? Um, this happened to me in college. Uh, we were I was a part of a friend group, my friends, and there was one person who ended up kind of just spiraling out of control and you know me i don't really skew away from uh conflict and you know i think there was a lot of things that needed to be said and no one else wanted to say them and i ended up kind of being that person that bought it to this person's face right and and bought it to this person's world of knowing like what you're doing is you're exhibiting like toxic behavior you're not you know you're not contributing to all of our friendships in the way that you once were. You're kind of, you know, because it was a blend of working together and then also friendships. And so, you know, that that was something where we all had to take a step back and kind of like um, isolate ourselves from this person in, in college and moving forward. And it's really interesting. I actually just got back connected with that person mm. on um, on Instagram and they apologized oh. uh, because they knew their kind of their behavior and, and, and they were going through things and they kind of explained it, which I think sometimes that can that that feels just as great where some some friendships are just meant for a period of time. And like, if you have an annoying friend, that doesn't mean y'all won't be friends again, but maybe in this period of their time and they're kind of like being toxic, they got other stuff going on in their, in their lives. And maybe down the line, if y'all ever circle back around, it becomes better. Who knows? I'm not friends with that person now, but it was just nice to chit chat for them and, and to, to have them say the things that they said, you know, it happens. Yeah. I think the idea of like unionizing and bringing everyone together against someone, I don't necessarily think cornering uh, cornering someone is fair or that helps isn't that just like a what's those groups like an intervention called? yeah what, what's wrong with I an think intervention if, so, if there's an if they're doing something talk uh real actually bad to themselves and others yeah like and i've i've been through an intervention wouldn't you rather your friends come to you instead of talk behind your back yeah but usually i kind of like the designating one person but that also means <sighs> let's like, keep, let's keep talking about this because we gotta we gotta wrap but we got more of this conversation coming up because i don't i don't think there's anything wrong with the intervention Let's talk about it. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We're talking about unionizing your friend group, if that's even a thing. But according to Vice.com, it is a thing. When you have one person that is annoying in the group that's not working, getting together as a group. And I do think there's a difference between that and an intervention. Obviously, we have interventions that are on drugs and alcohol and probably problematic stuff, too. Uh, I do think that... Why does it got to be that extreme to have an event Well, that that's what we... For? Yeah, we were talking about... I do think that... Here's my take on it, and we have different opinions on this, perhaps. <laughs> is that um, 
I think that when you approach someone the first time, coming together as a group might be very intimidating, overwhelming. Like, you have to know your audience. If there's someone that's going to not react well and be defensive, like, it's not going to create a fertile ground for a conversation. You might want, you want to first start maybe with one person, like the representative who's good at communication to have a conversation. And if they are receptive, great, you know, and then you get to move on and have, you know, continue your friendship. But if they're not or they continue doing that behavior that's not working, then I think at that point you come together as a group. I agree with you um, to a certain extent. I think there's this like babyfied way of you like handling conflict that really annoys me. Oh, here it goes. <laughs> because is I, it babyfied or just like I human and compassionate? No, I think there is. Um, but I also think um, sometimes... There's this idea of having to approach something a certain way for you to get your point across that I don't think is always necessary. I think, of course, you want to be compassionate with someone, but if they are kind of doing repeated things or if there's an issue where everyone is feeling that way, you got to be real with your friend, especially if you're at the level of like it's a friend group and y'all are really, really close. It, you can't just coddle them. You can't, in my opinion. You can't just coddle it just because you may be afraid of how someone's going to react or not. Because guess what? Someone else, they could be acting that way in, in their work life. They could be acting that way in other forms of their life. And no one's telling them because they're going with that mindset of like, oh, I'm just going to baby them and just kind of coddle them. Well, and you're just saying babying like, is one thing and, and like and keeping me, something like from someone intense. and then being sensitive to how someone might react and trying to approach them in a compassionate way. Those are two different things. I don't look at compassion as What babying. What is your definition of compassion? Because I think you're acting like compassion is this, this form of just being sweet. And that's not always what compassion looks like. I think it could have many different forms. Uh, compassion has many different faces. Yeah, totally. And so for, for me, I think from your perspective of what I'm hearing, and so you can always, you mm-hmm. know, clarify. Um, I think from your perspective, how I'm interpreting it, compassion is this thing that you you have to be like very coddled with and, and, and very sweet about. And then you can get, if it happens again, you can get to the nitty gritty of it all. But compassion looks at lo- different, it looks different in different forms. And you can be stern about things. I, I believe there's a way of being stern and still leading with compassion and being like, as a friend group, you're messing up the vibes. Get totally. it together. I, I agree. And I also think everyone's different. I think that how you approach something and someone is different than how I would approach it or no, someone else. of course. Else. And, of and course. what you like, we have different baselines and we have different ways based on our backgrounds and based on our biases and filters and what we've been through and our traumas and triggers like of how we approach these things. So I think that that's where you also have to like like be I think aware and quote unquote compassionate about you that wouldn't too. be able to survive in black spaces let me just tell you that <laughs> if I'm being honest because black folks are just honest with you people of color are just honest we they don't really hold back if you're thinking about it like I think oftentimes you you look at if you're talking about experiences and what shapes yeah. you especially as like even when it comes to like parenting or like when we're talking about families and things like that and you start to hear about how conflict has been handled it's completely different and I think that's what shapes it but it's also not realistic to expect that that's how it's always going to come out at every moment and I think that's where growth and awareness comes in for sure you know but I I agree on what you just said I think backgrounds have to do with it and definitely like being growing up with a Jewish Canadian family or a Italian family 
let you say I hate you to her. Like, I, that's that's things like where my mother would have never, I couldn't even close my door if if we were like an argue. I dropped a song because I wanted to have a little couple more minutes. Yeah. I just think it's it's just, you know, there's there's ways of how your experience is when you're growing up. It, it, it helps you or hurts you to be able to handle things or when it comes to conflict or being able to handle when it comes to relationship building or when it totally. handles being able to just being honest with people because in, in, in a lot of cultures you can literally say something and know like you can say it in any way you can say it in a mean way you can say it in a, a sweet way you can say it in a stern way and all these things and it still can be like this is still an issue well that's why you have to know your audience and know what is yeah. best that based on their like their love language or this or that like knowing what how someone will react to something best if you're just doing based on what you think is good for you that might not be good for someone else I also think that depends on what whatever you're talking about as well like that's that kind Context matters even when it comes to that. Well, let us know what you think of this. At LGT Show is where you can find us on social media. And you can always expect us to go there right here on the show. Why say go there when we... What? Next up. (laughs) A Queer Eye stars baby announcement. Next on What's Trending This Hour. No, I'm not doing that story. Just joking. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We're wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yes Queen of the Day. Yeah. Yes, Queen. Dolly Parton has revealed that she invested her royalties from Whitney Houston's cover of I Will Always Love You into a black community in Nashville. Here's what she had to share. I bought a property down in what was the black area of town, and it was mostly just black families and people that lived around there, and it was just off the beaten path from 16th Avenue, and I thought, well, I am going to buy this place. It was a whole strip mall, and I thought, this is the perfect place for me to be, considering it was Whitney, and uh, so I just thought this was great. I'm just going to be down here with her people, who, who are my people as well, and so I just love the fact that I spent that money on a complex, and I think this is the house that Whitney built. So she said that on Watch What Happens Live with Andy Cohen. And so, yeah, she's doing some really great stuff. She could have, of course, just taken that money, but instead she's putting it back into the community on behalf I mean, of Houston. I will always love you made a ton of money, so I know she probably pocketed some of that money. But her doing um, doing this and creating a legacy for Whitney is so beautiful, especially after Whitney's passing. And um, I think no one knew that. And I think it's absolutely beautiful um, that she decided to do that, especially um, in Nashville, which is gorgeous. I didn't even know that. You know, what? I also love the fact that she's only talking about this now, right? Like, she does things to do them because she wants to do them. She she didn't make a press release out of this, right? It yeah. wasn't like a new, it's now making news. But, you know, so many people do these things and they make a news headline out of it to announce it. And so it just yeah, shows where I, And I even know at. where she's talking about, too. I know the exact area where she is. And so, yeah, she's she's really always thinking of the people. We should protect her at all costs. Come on. Well, that does it for our Yes Queen of the Day. Dolly Parton, you get it once again. You could probably get it every day, but today especially. Um, And that does it for our show today. Yes, Queen. But we are back tomorrow. We're here for you weekdays on Channel Q Live, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern. On tomorrow's show, we're going to talk about when you put yourself down, how to treat yourself with kindness. Ooh, all right. We each need more of this. You know what I'm talking about. That and more, of course, what's trending this hour. We've got the tea, everything to keep you informed and up to date on the show, plus great music. 
And if you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. So join our podcast family. Just go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There. We are sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. Now stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris, where he's covering toxic people. That's next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.